You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I'm Arielle Zumross. This is Reset. Yesterday, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg went to Washington, D.C. to testify before the House Financial Services Committee. Today, we're here to examine the impact of Facebook on the financial services and housing sectors. Our sole witness is Facebook's chairman and CEO Mark Zuckerberg. Lawmakers had a long list of grievances to air. From Facebook's diversity numbers... Facebook has utterly failed. Facebook's executive ranks and workforce continue to be mostly white and male. To the millions of child abuse images on the platform... What are you going to do to shut it down, Mr. Zuckerberg? We're working with law enforcement and building technical systems to identify... Well, you're not working hard, to, hard enough, sir. ...to the way the platform handles political ads. You plan on doing no fact-checking on political ads. The representatives made it clear they don't trust Facebook. Do you realize that you and Facebook have a credibility issue here? But all that stuff was actually just a bonus, on the way to discussing the real reason Zuckerberg was in D.C. He was there to convince Congress that it's a good idea to let his company launch its own global currency. This hearing, Mr. Zuckerberg, good morning. How are you? I'm doing okay. I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> that was honest. Thank you. Deepa Sitharaman, you're a reporter at The Wall Street Journal, and you cover Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg appeared before Congress. Why was he there? He was there to talk about this project that Facebook has been working on for uh, a little while now called Libra. It's a payment system that the company announced officially uh, early this summer. And lawmakers have a ton of questions about it, how it works, what it will look like, what the effect will be on the financial markets. There's a lot of hand-wringing about what the potential impact of what Facebook in this space could be. And that's why he's there, to answer those questions. What was the initial response to Libra when it was first announced this summer? Distrust. I think if you look at what Facebook has been going through since the 2016 election, it has been controversy after controversy for that company from the get-go. There have been questions around its handling of misinformation, uh, violent live videos, issues around its you know, ability to enforce policies on hate speech, the handling of private data uh, from consumers and Cambridge Analytica. It's just been a litany of controversies. And so when Facebook launched Libra, earlier this year, after working on it secretly within the company for about a year, it was introducing this new product in a very hostile environment. People just don't trust Facebook anymore. And you really saw that 
over the summer, Congress asked Facebook's uh, head of Libra, that's David Marcus, uh, to appear and answer a lot of questions about what that project was, what it could mean, and how it would work. This is the biggest thing, or it tries to be the biggest thing, this committee will deal with this decade. After all the times Facebook has abused the public's trust, and you know that, do you really think people should trust Facebook with their hard-earned money? The regulatory scrutiny was so intense that you know, several partners just left the Libra Association, a group of, of companies that was working with Facebook on Libra, and several partners just left. You know, we're talking big names like Visa and MasterCard. So the backdrop for Zuckerberg's hearings was a lot of anger, a lot of mistrust in the company, and you saw that reflected in the questions today. A few weeks ago, there was leaked audio that was released, and in it, uh, Zuckerberg said that these public events, these hearings, get a lot of attention, but actually the real work happens in private. A bigger part of it is private engagement with regulators around the world, and those, I think, often are more substantive and, and, um, and, and less dramatic, and they're not being, those meetings aren't being played for the camera, but it's, it's, that's where a lot of the discussions get and details get, get hashed out on things. What do we know about what's going on behind the scenes? For this particular effort, Facebook has been meeting, you know, Democrats and Republican aides. They have been trying to talk up the um, the benefits of Libra. One argument that they have made both publicly and privately is that innovation is important and it's really important for American companies to be the innovators because otherwise America could be overtaken by China. This is an argument that seems to land with certain lawmakers. And they've really worked to stress that they are not going to do anything uh, without U.S. regulatory approval. It's a little early to tell whether it's working, whether Libra will actually successfully launch, but they're trying to answer all these questions. So what happened at the hearing? Because what I saw was a Mark Zuckerberg who kind of came with a sort of aw shucks attitude where he was like on the charm offensive trying to get these members of Congress to to sort of be okay with the concept of Libra. And he even said things like he doesn't even know if it's going to work, but it's great that an American company is innovating. What was your impression of Zuckerberg's performance? I think it's um, clear that he has been practicing. You know, he was last in front of Congress last April, April 2018. You know, those were his first congressional hearings. Then he was at answering a lot of questions about Cambridge Analytica and privacy policies and the ad platform. And at the time, you know, uh, he there were a lot of questions he couldn't answer, especially around the way that the ad system worked that he, you know, referred to his team on. And uh, but also Congress wasn't asking necessarily the most informed questions. How do you sustain a business model in which users don't pay for your service? Senator, we run ads. Today's performance was very different. Both Mark Zuckerberg and Congress came armed with much better questions and much better information. I think that Mark was pretty collected. Uh, I think he w responded to the questions and 
as well as he could. But it's hard to overstate. I mean, this was a grilling of Facebook writ large. It wasn't just about Libra. There are concerns about that particular effort and that technology. But there were even larger concerns about Facebook's track record and whether it could be trusted. At one point, a lawmaker asked, have you learned not to lie? Have you learned that you should not lie? Uh, Congresswoman, I, I would disagree with the characterization. It, it, of that. Well, another lawmaker asked, you know, I said that she was appalled and disgusted that Mark didn't know the intricacies of their civil rights audit. And, and you couldn't describe sort of even the top three conclusions of the audit right off the top of his head. Do you know who the firm that you employ for civil rights is? Uh, Congressman, I, I don't how, know. How could you not know when you have employed the most historical, the largest civil rights comp- firm to deal with issues that are major? And, and this is what's so frustrating to me. It's almost like you think this is a joke. That was a moment, I think, when he was asked about the civil rights audit where Mark seemed a little bit more upset. Uh, but on the whole, he seemed pretty put together in the face of some very, very tough questions about the company. I mean, that was my impression just from listening, that it was really about can people in general trust Facebook, much less this potentially risky and uh, new Libra effort. Why is Facebook trying to launch a a global currency like Libra now? The company's been criticized like never before, and... So so it's sort of interesting that they would decide to launch a really ambitious project at this point in time. Why are they doing this now? I think you have to really understand what's been in the company's DNA. It's a company that is built on the idea that you want to innovate and move forward. And Mark in particular is very interested in making sure that Facebook stays ahead and and never rests and is constantly adapting and evolving to the times. You know, you see this impulse in why he bought Instagram and why he bought WhatsApp and why he bought Oculus, right? That these are companies that, you know, were in spaces that he thought the world of communication was moving towards. This Libra effort, this is in that same bucket. You know, uh, he wants to build a payment system. He wants to build a way for people to transact. But it's, in, you know, it's also about monetizing his messaging systems, uh, you know, and trying to make sure that the company isn't complacent, that they're moving into areas where consumers will be in the future. So when the world shifts and potentially embraces cryptocurrencies, Facebook is there, that they're not behind. Libra is a place where suddenly, you know, Mark's efforts to innovate and make sure that Facebook isn't left behind clashes with this broader distrust in Facebook and the company's poor track record when it comes to safety and security issues. Deepa Sitharaman is a reporter for The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for chatting with me. Thanks for having me. So by now you might be wondering, how would this whole Libra thing work? That's after the break. With Libra, Facebook says it's trying to solve a few problems. First, there are a lot of people in the world who are unbanked. They don't have access to a bank account 
or can't use the one they have because the fees are too high. Second, transferring money from country to country is expensive. And third, most transactions are painfully slow. It often takes days for a purchase to go through completely, even within a single country. Facebook says Libra will fix all that. That's the pitch. We have a new way of payment. It's easier, it's faster, it's less costly, it's highly efficient, and it can also be more inclusive because we are uh, making it sufficiently cheap so that many people who are currently unbanked can join. Katerina Pistor is a law professor at Columbia University. So how did Facebook propose to set up Libra? Would it just be run by Facebook? No, Facebook said from the beginning that it Facebook would not be running the Libra directly, although when you look at the promotion materials, they always say Libra is off Facebook, right? So they want to have the linkage because they want to tell their customers that they can use Libra as seamlessly as other apps that they have been using. Um, but at the same time, structurally, they're saying we will be only one member of multiple members that are creating a non-profit organization so they registered a nonprofit entity, the Libra Association, under the laws of Geneva. So it is basically a, a structure that allows you to suggest that you have a nonprofit structure as a front, but behind that, the members of Libra can actually make money on the Libra project. Why would Facebook create this foundation? Why, why not just run it themselves? Companies um, do this very often. They create subsidiaries or other types of entities over which they might have control, but they can keep them at a sufficient distance so that if the thing doesn't really work, they can get out. So I think Facebook could have said, well, we'll do our own currency, but I think they were sufficiently aware of the fact that this would probably create a regulatory backlash. There seems to be a lot of worry around Libra. What exactly is the threat of Libra? Why should consumers be worried about this? So the consumers don't have to be too worried right now. They can choose whether they want to exchange their dollars for Libra or not. They have to be concerned only about the Libra if there are any concerns with a bigger issue, which is financial instability. Right. So we know from the 2008 crisis that assets that we all believed were very safe at some point can turn out to be not so safe. And if you are a Libra holder, you may want to be concerned with whether you can get out of the Libra and exchange it back into dollars or another currency at any point in time and whether you face any losses if you try to do so. Does something like Libra make another financial meltdown like what happened in 2008? Does it make it more likely or, or less likely? So I would argue that there is a possibility that it can happen, whether more or less, um, you can, this is a judgment call. And I tell you how I see the scenario work itself out. So the Libra is a stable coin that's different from Bitcoin and some other cryptocurrencies or digital currencies that have been issued. And a stable coin is a coin that is protected by or backed by other types of assets. Think back to asset-backed securities or mortgage-backed securities where you had a loan backed by the house, the value of the house and the land on which it was built, right? Right. And so with the Libra, they're saying you pay for the Libra. We will put this into a reserve and the reserve will have assets that are denominated only in, uh, in very big currencies like the dollar, like the pound, like the euro, like the yen, like the Swiss franc. And the type of assets that we will allow in the reserves have to be safe. The big question, of course, is first, if they issue more Libra, 
and there's a great demand for Libra, is whether they will find enough safe assets to put in the reserve. And that, that, by that, I mean truly safe assets, or whether at some point in time they say, well, there's so much demand for the Libra, why don't we say that mortgage-backed securities are safe? So suddenly what's backing Libra is less stable than, than was initially planned. Correct. The only decision maker that will stop them from doing that is the association, that is the majority of the members of the association who would make that decision. And since many of these companies are in there for profit, you could imagine that they will say, well, let's just, why not scale it? Why not issue more Libra? And we just change our requirements for what we deem a safe asset to be. Given that Libra potentially has 2 billion customers, it is a payment system that few states would like to see go under because it will have repercussions for many who expect payments in Libra. So there's a whole environment and a whole ecology around Libra then. And there is at least a fear that governments and those with the most stable currencies will not have really an option but to bail out the Libra if that was to happen. Given Facebook's past history with user privacy, I can see why somebody would be against Libra right off the bat. But the idea of a global currency, when it is divorced from Facebook, is really interesting, right? Uh, Should the average person be against the idea of a global currency? No, I don't think the average person should be against um, the idea of a currency such as Libra. And I think it has an attraction. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it at all, but I think we want to look at the governance structure that we put in place. We want to make sure that it's relatively safe. And we want to make sure that it's actually then within reach of those people whom we really want to reach out to, that they have access to that. And so I think that the, the beauty of the new technology is that we have the potential to harness all these new innovation, all these new technologies, to just do something that meets the goals that the... Libra creators have set out. Um, I'm a little bit skeptical whether the governance structure that they themselves have have created will meet those goals. But I am for those goals. I am also very positive and open to new technologies. But we have to be careful how we experiment with them and how fast we roll them out. You know, I think this is another issue why people were alarmed. You know, a global currency within a year. We worked like decades to try to get the euro <laughs> off the ground. So how do you think you can do that? So, um, you know, as, as, as I said in my hearing, Mark Zuckerberg said years ago, you know, we have to, you have to move fast and break things. But that you can't really do with the financial system or money system. That's a little too risky. This is Reset. I'm Ariel Zimros. You can follow me on Twitter... I'm at ADRS. And you can reach the Reset team by emailing reset at vox.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to Reset on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Casts, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. We'll be back on Sunday. Later, nerds. <laughs>